with uh, our season in position, and today we are looking at uh, safeguards. Safeguards, we are going to look at the matters of the heart. The heart connects our minds and our soul. Once our heart, the language of the young ones, once, or not really the young ones, but the current generation, once our hearts are cool, then we are okay. <laughs> okay. Once our hearts are okay, then we are assured that all is well. But once our hearts are troubled, then really it's trouble. So quickly, we are going to look at uh, meaning of the safe, safeguards. We look at the use of safeguards. We look at uh, ways of guarding your heart, reasons of guarding your heart, and after that, we shall pray. And also, we'll look at the biblical safeguard advice. So, our main scriptures, we have uh, Joshua chapter 23, verse 1. But um, I had taken Joshua chapter 23, verses 1 to 11, so that the context is there, we see it. Sometimes when we look at just one verse, we'd wonder where is it heading to? Where has it come from? So I want us to leave, read the 11 chapters so that we, we get the context. Then we also read Joshua 24, verses 15. And of course, the main one will be Luke 12, verses 13 to 21. So let's journey on. Shall we have the first scripture, which is Joshua chapter 23, verses 1 to 11. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel. That is why I didn't want to read one. I wanted us to see why he summoned the O Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, officials, and said to them, as we read, I want you to see that even in our lives, when you enter a time of rest, you have fought so many battles, you have overcome certain things, you had issues, and now you are feeling that now it is well. We tend to relax. Even those issues that we are supposed to take care of, because you are in a relaxed mode, we find that we begin to forget certain things. How we were challenged. How we overcame such challenges. So I believe this is what Joshua wanted to remind the people. So that even as they were in that state of rest, they remember, they realize that we are coming from somewhere. And said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance your, for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between Jordan and Mediterranean Sea in the West. 
the Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take the possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Look at the language there. The language there is the Lord your God has himself pushed them out. When you look at this, at that time, the Lord hadn't done it yet. But the language Joshua is using is saying the Lord will push them out. He will drive them out before you and will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. So I want to assure you this morning that even as you see certain issues to be so big in your life, the Lord even before you conquer, he is saying he will push out those problems. He will push out those challenges and you will possess, you will be a success. Even before you write your exams, the Lord is saying to you, you will succeed. And that is why I want to connect what this position the season has taught us. I remember elaborately Pastor Sylvester was here when he gave us how the Lord instructed the Israelites before the walls of Jericho had to be broken down. There were instructions that had to be followed. And truly when those instructions were followed, we saw the walls of Jericho being broken. Pastor Lina was talking about having gratitude last week. So all these things, we are going to see them. So the language of the Lord is, as long as you are in the Lord, I'm in the Lord, we are in the Lord. As long as the instructions that he has said that we should follow are being followed, the Lord is faithful and just enough to see it to its fruition. Amen. That's the Lord we serve. Now, listen. He's saying, be strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not save them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast. You are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very grateful to love the Lord your God. And that's the chief commandment. Love, Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Love one another. Because where there is love, where there is love, there is no envy. Where there is love, there is no backbiting. Where there is love, there is looking at each other's back. And this is what Joshua is trying to remind the people. That as you are at rest, remember, 
This is where we are coming from. Remember, this is what the Lord has done for us. This rest that we are enjoying now is not because of our power or might, but the Lord has done it all. Hallelujah. Let's have uh, the next verse, and the next scripture, which is uh, Joshua 24, 15. Now, Joshua is setting the record straight. You've seen how God has fought for us. You've seen what he has done for us. We've seen how we have possessed. Now, here is what I'm giving. But, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of our ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Because you are at rest, everything looks good. Everything seems cool. Now, this is the time when all looks good. When we want to sleep more, it's a Sunday. I'll just go next week to church. Now he's putting it straight. But as for me and my household, as the leader, as the leader, he's saying, but as for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. So church, we are to save the Lord. No matter how successful you are, it's not of your own doing, it's not of my own doing. It's God who does it for us. And therefore, we must continuously save the Lord. Amen. Let's go now to the main text, which is... Um, Luke 12, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, that's to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Mark that. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. An abundance of possessions is what we all desire, is what we all look out for. As soon as we have possessions that we can point to, we find that even our desire for God begins to diminish. Our hearts become full of Mary, where it is party after party, not going to church, because now we have possessions that we can point to. But there we are being reminded, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. 
I would tear down my bands and build bigger ones. Nothing wrong in pulling down the bands, the smaller ones, and building bigger ones so that you can store more food. Nothing wrong with that. But follow me. Bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, that's what we do. When you are successful, now it's you. Now it's me. It's no longer God, but it's your hard work. It's my hard work. Then I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. You remember how the Israel was so, so now we are in that place of uh, being easy. Here is another gentleman. God has blessed him. Enough crops. He's pulling down the smaller bands, building bigger ones so that he can store the food. Life, life easy. Eat. I said party after party. There it is. Eat, drink, and be merry. Amen? But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how I will be. It will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Amen. You may say, I think God acted... Um, so harshly on this man. He had worked hard. And all he had wanted was to build bigger bands so that he can store food. Now the issue was the man's heart, the man's life, the man's caliber or whatever word you can think of was now not with God but in the food that he had prepared or harvested. And now that he had this food, he said to himself, now I can marry the word of God said to myself. And that's what we forget. Whenever God blesses us, the first thing we say is ourselves. I studied hard. I'm powerful. Here I am. We forget God. And this is where God is saying, you fool. Because at the end of the day, our God, we are saying, is faithful and just. When we pray and God does it, now when it's time to marry, we say it is us. Hallelujah. So we are in safeguards and it's matters of the heart. And matters of the heart, we talk. This is not a message that... Uh, can jump up and down, do gymnastics, but it is a heart-to-heart -heart talk so that at the end of the day, we realize something out of it. Amen. Because there are times when somebody can preach a very powerful message and all you take is how he was jumping up and down, how he was moving from place to place, how he was saying amen and hallelujah. But the real stuff, you haven't gotten it. So this is a heart-to-heart -heart talk. Hallelujah. I said, let me look at this safeguard. What really does it mean? Because when we talk of safeguards, 
In this series, we are saying these are the matters of the heart. And the church, when you talk of the heart, you are talking about, or rather we are talking about the HQ of you and I, the headquarters. Because once the heart stops beating, then we are gone. Hallelujah. Safeguard means a law or a rule or something that is done to protect someone or something. So there is the protection aspect. So our hearts must be safeguarded. Our hearts must be protected. Why? As we move, we will see. A safeguard in definition is a defense or precaution. You could describe probably a flu as a, a, a flu shot, or when you take an anti-malaria, you are trying to protect yourself from getting malaria, or a flu shot so that you don't get that flu. Safeguards, what are safeguards? Safeguards are actions, not mere sayings, but actions that protect the rights of people to keep them safe from harm, abuse, and neglect. That is why Joshua had to speak to the people so that in their acts, in their living, they should do certain things that will protect them, protect their land, that the God had given them, the promised land. It should be protected because when they do certain things, they will leave themselves open and the enemy will attack Mind you, it's not them who defeated the enemy. It was God. It was God. When I say it is God, I mean it's a now word. Because what he did, he's still doing it now. Amen. So that's the God we serve. I want to come back to the parable of the rich fool. Many of us would say that parable of the rich fool does not concern me, especially if we are not rich. That was a rich man. Me, I'm not a rich man. So that, that, that does not concern me. But here is the gist. That rich man forgot about God. He put his heart into what he had produced, and that is what began to rule him. So it's not necessarily about the riches, but it's about where his heart was. Where your heart and my heart is. Is it in the riches that we have garnered, gathered? Is it in the marriage? Is it in that beautiful car that we drive? That huge house that we, built, we were built? Yes, all these things are necessary. But we should remember that the giver of all these things, the blesser is God. And therefore, let's put our heart where it belongs. It belongs to God. In the parable of the rich fool, a man learns an abundance of crops more than he can store. His solution is to tear down his bands and build bigger ones to hold the surplus so he can sit back and enjoy. God calls him a fool and demands his life that very night making his selfish endeavors all for nothing. God provides his warning for the greedy. 
Because this man wanted everything to himself. This man wanted everything to himself. So God here calls him a fool and he demands his life that very night, making his selfish endeavors for nothing. God provides his warning for the greedy and stingy to heed and change their ways. Hallelujah. So, if we are greedy, if we are stingy, we are being reminded that let not our hearts be in those pleasures where we think we are making it, but always let us remember that this God we serve is there for us. I want us now to look at the biblical safeguard advice, how we can safeguard our heart, the heart intertwines with the soul and the mind, and therefore let us look at the biblical safeguard advice. The first one, remember how you got here. Remember what? How you got here. You may have fought battles and what you may probably forget about that, but safeguard advice from the scriptures and from the word of God is remember how you got here. Let's look at uh, Joshua 24, 1 to 13. Very quickly. Remember how you got here. Underline that. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and uh, Nehor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led, your, led him through Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. Why did the Lord have to take Abraham from that place? It's because that place they were worshipping idols, they God was not really existent. So God is so merciful and takes care of his people. He took out Abraham to a place where he could worship him and you will see a relation there as we go. And to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau. But Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. That is where there is an issue where Jacob went and his family to Egypt. That is where there is an issue. Then I sent Moses. Quickly, he sent Moses. After what? After seeing the suffering, the crying, the groaning of the Israelites under the mighty and powerful hand of Pharaoh. And God said, uh -uh, I can't let my children suffer like this. Then I sent Moses and Aaron and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. Remember. When I brought you out, when I brought you, your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. 
Look at the Egyptians. I think they, somehow they were following they were following the words. You know, some of these words, we, we read them, even those people you feel they don't read, they read the word of God and pick something that they begin to practice. These Egyptians had tenacity. They were strong, they were courageous. Even what God did to rescue the Israelites from Egypt, after they had gone, they still decided to follow them. What courage. What courage. But they cried to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them. God covered them. You saw with your own eyes that I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Remember you, how you got here. I brought you to the land of Amorites who lived east. First, what caused the Israelites to stay long in the wilderness? We saw what was happening. Whatever little issue they were grumbling. They saw what God had done in Egypt at the Red Sea. But whatever small thing they were grumbling, they wanted to choose a leader, go back to Egypt, where they had been rescued. He's reminding, remember biblical advice for safeguards. Remember how you got here. When Balak, son of Zippo, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Boa, to put a curse on you, to curse the Israelites. But what did God do? But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I he delivered you out of his hand. Remember how you got here. Where you were supposed to be cursed, God turned it around and you were blessed, receiving blessing after blessing. What an awesome God we serve. Biblical safeguard number two. Be on your guard against all types of greed. Be on your guard on all types of greed. Friends, the blessings that we have are not just for us. Let's learn to share. When we have abundance, let's look for people who don't have so that we can share with them. I'm sure at the rich fool, not just said to myself, at the rich fool said, now I'm going to build bigger bands store this food so that I can go out and see those who are starving so that from the abundance that I have, I can share and we can all be happy. Today we would have been reaching of a clever fool. A clever, a clever who? Yes, a clever rich man. But because his heart was not with God or in God. He chose to do things for himself. Be on your guard against all types of greed. Luke twelve fifteen. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Those of us who think possessions is all what it takes for us to be people to be recognized. 
Here is a verse that is challenging us. It matters, church, where we put our heart or our hearts. When we put our hearts in possessions, will be referred to as like that one, the rich fool. But when we place our heart in our God, so that even when he blesses us abundantly, we know that this blessing is not just for me, but it's also for my brother and for my neighbor. And from there, we'll be clever, rich people. Amen. Guard what you have received. That's number three. Guard what you have received. Protect what you have received. Even when you do some chores at home, I normally give chimwemwe, whatever, when he does something, you should learn to protect what you receive. That is why Joshua had to gather the leaders, had to gather the families, so that they know that God gave them this, and they had to guard it. Because if they don't guard it, if they don't protect it, the enemy, the same enemy that God defeated for them was going to come back and sweep away all the possession and they will go back to suffering. So, guard what you have received. Joshua 23, 6-13. Be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not save them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. The Lord has driven, not the people. So, to this day, no one has been able to withstand you. No one of you wrote a thousand because he, because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. That's the God we, we serve. When he promises, he fulfills. When he promises, it comes to pass. Hallelujah. Guard what you have received. Protect what you have received. Number four, Jesus warned against all idols. Jesus warned against all idols. There was a lot of idolatry and that is why Abraham had to be moved. And even today, there is a lot of idolatry. Not a doubt, an idolatry where we worship strange gods. Here are the strange gods. Some of you have got powerful phones. So every minute you are glancing at that phone, that has become your idol. Some of you, or some of us, you've got very beautiful wives, that has become your idol. Very handsome husbands, that has become your idol. You have built mansions, you don't even want to come out, even on a Sunday, to come and worship our Lord. That has become your idol. You drive a magnificent car. That has become your idol. The word of God is saying, 
Jesus warned against all idols. Because when you worship or when you are so much into your possessions, you idolize that and that becomes your prayer, your daily prayer, and you forget about God. Amen. Colossians 3.5 Put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Those are earthly matters. Push them away. Better still, dig a hole or a trench. Throw them in there. Bury them so that you concentrate on the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here are some things that we are very concerned of. We are very much concerned with self-preservation. Gadgets. If, if randomly, if we were to get just one phone here and try to open it, oh my God, there is a zigzag going to Lusaka, Mansa, and, what, and then coming back, that is when the phone opens. Look at how you guard your phone. <laughs> Look at how you guard your phone. Nobody should be able to open and enter your phone. There are matters of life and death there. And you guard it. <laughs> Let's go to our accounts on social media. <laughs> Just to open that WhatsApp. If it's not your phone. It will. What? What? And then, finally, now it opens. <laughs> Hallelujah. In our homes, we have alarms. Even when we have alarms, that is not enough. We have cameras. We have burglar doors where we put not one lock, but three is the list. Guarding our lives, protecting what we have. Our, we buy home insurance. For our cars, even if our homes, home insurance, fire insurance, travel insurance as we are traveling, funeral insurance. Hmm? You are dead, you'll be dead, you want to be there, but you have insured yourself. Hmm? That is how we guard our lives. We so much care about our lives, people of God. But really, let me ask one question. The way we guard our lives, our property. What about our souls? How do we guard our souls? I said it's a heart-to-heart -heart talk. Look at how we protect our various possessions, but how do we guard our souls? What about our spiritual well-being? Do we guard it with the same diligence and fervency? Do we? Do we pay attention to the safeguards of the soul you say, what are you talking about? I'm saying, do we guard our relationship with God? Do we guard our spiritual well-being? If we care so much about our physical and material things, we ought to be equally concerned about our physical, our spiritual matters. So why not 
double up, triple, or even more. Those safeguards we've put on our gadgets, why not triple and do more with our spiritual lives, with our relationship with God? Why not? Then we'll be achieving something. Quickly, let me look, let, let, let's look at the five ways to guard our heart and mind. Because I said the heart connects to the mind and connects to the soul. How do we guard our heart and our mind? Prayer. First thing is prayer. How do we pray? Pray, 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 pray continuously. Some people have even said push. Pray until something happens. Hallelujah. What comes out of prayer? As you pray, we communicate with God. We dialogue with God. Two-way system. You speak to God and God also speaks to you. When God speaks to you, that's where we get the instructions to follow. And then as we follow those instructions, then we will do not our will, but the will of God. Hallelujah. Make requests. As you pray, we are still praying. Make requests. God is saying, come ho you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Rest it's at, is at the feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So go on. Make requests to our God and he will meet them. We have seen how we met the requests of the Israelites. He is still doing it today. Number three, practice gratitude. That's what Pastor Lina emphasized last week. Practice gratitude. How do you practice gratitude? Give thanks. Say thank you. If there is one thing I try and labor to teach Chimwem, is whenever you give him something, he's about to run off. I say, what do you say? Thank you. Then he goes away. <laughs> say thanks. Practice gratitude. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's way for us all. Number four, renew your mind. Let's keep renewing our minds, reading, meditating upon the word of God. God acts on his word. And that is why it is very important that we read the word of God because God acts on his word. As you begin to understand the word of God, pray the word of God, sing the word of God, live the way of the word of God, you begin to see God in your life. God is so faithful with, with his word. King Solomon said it in Proverbs chapter 4 verses 23. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Life emanates, life starts, life resides, life is in your heart and my heart. So once you guard your heart, you are assured of good life. I like what uh, Michael Hyatt says. This is what he says. 
It is not your experience. Those of us who talk so much about experience, it's not about experience. It's not about knowledge. It's not about skills. Your heart is the most important tool or leadership tool as a child of God, as a person. So yes, you can have the knowledge, the skill, the experience, but without guarding, protecting your heart, all this comes to new, or all this comes to not. As I conclude, church, I want us now to look at why you must guard your heart. Just three points. Why you must guard your heart. The first one. You must guard your heart because your heart is extremely, extremely valuable. If there is one organ in our body that is extremely valuable, it's the heart. The evil one, Satan, is after your heart, after my heart. Why? It's extremely valuable. Somebody said, it may sound funny, but true. He said, we don't guard worthless things. I take my garbage to the street every Wednesday night. It is picked up on Thursday. He takes the garbage Wednesday night. And it is picked on Thursday. It sits on the sidewalk all night, completely unguarded. Why? It's garbage. Why should you be guarding the garbage? It's garbage. Why? He says, because it's worthless. Not with your heart. It has to be guarded all the time. And he says, not so with your heart. It is the essence of who you are. It is your authentic self, the core of your being. It is where all your dreams, your desires, and your passions live. They reside in the heart. Hallelujah. It is that part that connects you with God and other people. The heart. Just like your physical body, if your heart, your spiritual heart dies, then you are dead. If your leadership, that is the end of your leadership. Leadership dies because your heart has died. So therefore, it's a major factor that we should take care of our heart. Again, King Solomon emphasizes above all else, above all else. He doesn't say if you get around it. He's saying above all else. Or it would be nice if. No. He says make it your top priority. Guard your heart. Number two. Why guard your heart? Because your heart is the source of everything you do. Your heart is the source of everything you do. As it pumps and circulates oxygenated blood and ejects or pumps out deoxygenated blood, you and I are able to live and say, indeed, we are living. Again, King Solomon 
wise King Solomon because him, he asked for wisdom. He says, the heart, it is the wellspring of life. In other words, it is the source of everything else in your life. So guard it. It's the wellspring of life. Likewise, if your heart is unhealthy, it has an impact on everything else. Everything else. It threatens your family, your friends, your ministry, your career, and indeed your legacy. It is therefore imperative that you guard your heart. Amen. And finally, finally, why should you guard your heart? Because your heart is under, under constant attack. If there is anything that the devil attacks most, it is your heart. So it has to be guarded. Many of us are oblivious to the reality of this war. We have an enemy who is bent on our destruction. He's just bent on our destruction. He not only opposes God, but he opposes everything that is aligned with him, including us. Mostly these attacks often come in the form of some circumstance that leads to disappointment, discouragement, or even disillusionment. These are situations one is tempted to quit. Once disappointment creeps in, disillusionment, discouragement, the next thing is to quit. If your heart is unfaithful, it threatens everything else. Family, friends, career, everything. So once your heart is attacked, that's it. The more reason why we should safeguard our hearts.